Hey guys, welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. And my guest today is the founder of the Cannabis Equity Policy Council and the CEO of Cadre. Cadre is a visionary social equity brand that actively advocates for equitable opportunities across the cannabis industry, offering exceptional cannabis products while uplifting marginalized communities. The Cannabis Equity Policy Council is a 501c4 nonprofit made up of cannabis equitable equity partners and entrepreneurs and social justice nonprofit organizations unified to collectively address the gap in funding, educational resources, and legislation advocacy for Canada's equity policy. Madison Shockley, thank you so much for being a participant in today's Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Yeah, thank you, Montel, for having me on. It's an honor and a pleasure to be with you. Absolutely, sir. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, where you went to school? Sure. I grew up in West LA, mid-city. You know, uh, my family has been here for a, a generation or two before me. And, you know, just a LA kid who went to all the LA schools, John Burroughs, went to Dorsey High School and played football. Uh, and then my parents moved down to San Diego, uh, Carlsbad to be specific, my senior year of high school. And so I've been back and forth uh, from LA and San Diego since uh, my late teenage years. What did you do before you chose cannabis as uh, the direction you wanted to go in? Sure. I was working in the tech space and in the enter entertainment space uh, before I got into cannabis. Um, early in my career, I worked on a project called The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl, uh, which was spun off into an HBO series called Insecure. And my, my role on the Awkward Black Girl series was uh, I was I played a, a star actor in the show uh, as a love interest uh, to uh, the main character in the show. But I also worked behind the scenes on the production of the show, as well as like the business development of of that independent television show. Uh, well, and, what, what, what prompted you to walk away from that and to get started in the cannabis? You know, uh, I continued in entertainment for years after that, behind the scenes as a producer and a music executive. Uh, I worked for a boutique publishing company and we licensed a lot of music to film and television. Uh, and But I got into the tech space through working on that project because we started that project on YouTube. And we used Facebook to market the project. I was the marketing director for the show in the early days. And so I did things like created the, the Facebook page for Awkward Black Girl, which grew from zero to hundreds of thousands of followers. And same thing with the uh, Twitter page. And, and those became our microphones. And we really innovated by how you use social media to market a television show. Uh, and through that, I made a lot of connections at those companies, at Google, uh, which bought uh, YouTube, uh, at places like Facebook and Twitter. And a lot of the Black uh, tech executives at those companies were huge fans of our, of our project and our work. And so, you know, we got invited to Google and, and spoke to the Black Googler network there, a couple hundred Black employees at, at Google. And so that brought me into the tech world in like a real physical way, 
you know, and and from there, I, I really kind of uh, mix my skill set in entertainment and in in tech and business development. Uh, and so it's those skill sets that I have brought to the cannabis industry. But I mean, what would you woke up one morning and said, I think I'm going to get in the cannabis. I mean, how did that come about? No, you know, I, I, had you already been a cannabis enthusiast yourself? Definitely. Since, since I was a teenager, you know, and it was all, it's always been a big part of my life. Uh, and I used to get a lot in a lot of trouble and catch a lot of flack for how much I loved and enjoyed, uh, cannabis being a part of my life. And, as you know, I got arrested for selling weed when I was 18 years old uh, down in San Diego. And it was that arrest that then qualified me for the social equity program back in 2019 uh, when, uh, you know, you, you know the law as well, you know, recreational cannabis became legal, I think back in 2016, 2017. And then from there, uh, different municipalities started creating their cannabis regulation uh, programs. And many have included social equity programs, uh, which are designed to prioritize people who have been victims of the war on drugs uh, and prioritize them in getting commercial licensing. Uh, so when I learned about those programs, uh, you know, I had been arrested, so I qualified for social equity on that front. Uh, you know, I was low income. Uh, I grew up in a zip code that was disproportionately impacted by the war, war on drugs, all of the above. And uh, when I learned I qualified for L.A.'s program, um, I just I really went for it uh, to start building my cannabis company. And then that, that ended up becoming Cadre. Tell me a little bit about Cadre. Yeah. So Cadre, I started after uh, back in 2020 uh, when I after filing a lawsuit uh, and settling a lawsuit with the city of L.A., uh, the first round of social equity licensing uh, was a big mess. Uh, it was mismanaged by the city and the Department of Cannabis Regulation in L.A., and I was a social equity participant in that program and had, you know, spent a lot of resources pursuing getting a dispensary license just to be a part of an unfair process. And so I decided to lead a lawsuit uh, and, and start a, a nonprofit uh, called the Social Equity Owners and Workers Association and essentially created this association of equity entrepreneurs and recruited them by saying, hey, be a part of this, this lawsuit against the city uh, because we were unfairly uh, treated in this process. And so, you know, several hundred other equity entrepreneurs joined in uh, with me and we raised the money to uh, file and pursue the lawsuit. Uh, and after a few months of litigation, uh, the LA City Council came to the table to negotiate a settlement. And that settlement created a hundred additional social equity retail licenses uh, in LA. Uh, and of which one of them uh, is, is the license uh, that I got and opened my recent dispensary with. Okay. And then that, that organization ended up folding into or becoming the Cannabis Equity Policy Council. So, yeah, so later I started the, the Cannabis Equity Policy Council, uh, which, which so Social Equity Owners and Workers Association is a member organization of. 
uh, and there's other member organizations uh, like the UCA in Sacramento, LBCCC in Long Beach. Uh, you know, we got an organization in San Diego and San Francisco. We're all over the state. Uh, equ equity advocacy organizations and entrepreneurs coming together under one umbrella uh, to really have a voice in policy at the state level. Uh, we hired a lobbyist uh, last year and helped establish uh, our foothold in the Capitol and in terms of having a say on all sorts of policies uh, that relate to cannabis and, and have an impact on our social equity uh, interests, you know? And, and so uh, since then, we've been able to achieve quite a bit. Last year, uh, we helped lead uh, a successful fight to lower the excise tax, uh, the state excise tax for social equity retailers. Uh, right now, as everybody knows, the taxes in, in the commercial industry are, you know, extraordinary. The taxes on taxes on taxes. And so we were able to uh, pass a bill that the governor signed uh, where our tax rate was reduced by 20%. So the state excise tax is 15%. Uh, but for social equity uh, retails whose revenue is under $5 million, they'll get a rebate and, and making their uh, percentage effectively 12% instead of 15%. And, and that's a 20% difference in the aggregate. Uh, so that's one of the things we're really proud of being able to achieve and really doing it on our own, not having huge you know, corporate backers, uh, doing it for us, but really taking our voice and power in our own hands and working on changing the legislation, because I believe that's where everything starts. And that's what dictates what, you know, how the wealth in our society is is divvied up ultimately. And, and so if we're losing on, on the legislative front and, you know, how the laws are set up, then we're <laughs> losing over and over again after after that. But if we can get that right and we can uh, have it set up in a way that is uh, equitable uh, for everybody, uh, then everybody can win. Now, you just do advocacy at the state level or do you do it at the national level? We, we are going to move to the national level, but we have been focusing at the uh, local and state level in our first couple of years, just getting our footing. Uh, but this year we plan to expand and you know, take a trip to D.C. and uh, start lobbying in, in the capital, the, the national capital as well. You recently opened up your first dispensary in L.A. in partnership with Off the Charts. How's that structured and how's that working out? Yeah, it's working out fantastic. Uh, really blessed to, to be in, in this business situation. You know, I discovered the dispensary chain Off the Charts about three years ago when they only had one location uh, down in San Diego. And now they've expanded to 14 locations, including mine. And my store is the first uh, collaboration store with Off The Charts. So it's a collaboration between uh, them and my brand, Cadre. So it's Off The Charts powered by Cadre. Uh, and it's, it's, been, it's been great because it's allowed me to have uh, the operations know-how and the, you know, just all the standard operating procedures in place from day one, uh, from a operator that has been extraordinarily successful in a really difficult market. And so to have that kind of backing, uh, for, for a dispensary, which is extremely capital intensive, 
uh, a lot of moving parts, a lot of regulation uh, to have that support uh, from a successful operator uh, for my store has been fantastic. Super. Now, how, now how can the industry better support social equity and social justice programs across the board? How can this entire industry do a better job than they're doing? Because they're not doing a great job. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And there's a lot of ways. Uh, I think my partnership with Off the Charts being an example of that, you know, uh, offering to partner, genuinely partner uh, with equity entrepreneurs and, you know, providing resources and capital, uh, also providing the, the know-how of operations, but at the same time, giving a equitable deal uh, in that process and allowing uh, the equity partner to bring their value uh, to the table, to bring their relationships with their community, uh, their knowledge of, of the plant and, and the business that they have and combining that with, you know, maybe some of the more uh, sophisticated uh, financial uh, backgrounds that's needed at this level of business. Absolutely. Well, now, you know, I, clearly you probably have some thoughts about what's going on at the federal level. I mean, what's your view of de of rescheduling or descheduling? And how do you think a change at the federal level will impact social equity across the country? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question. There's so much to kind of dissect. And I'm still learning and understanding what descheduling to different levels would, would mean. Um I, I don't think. Uh, well, I mean, descheduling would be just completely taken out of the, the scheduling world. Rescheduling yes. at different levels would be the one that um, I think, you know, people are be careful what you look for. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it should be uh, descheduled. Uh, but I think the conversation right now has really been around like rescheduling to schedule three because the Biden administration has uh, put out, you know, uh, some analysis about, uh, you know, how it should be rescheduled. And I don't know exactly what rescheduling from schedule one to schedule three. Uh, or schedule be, two. Right. Or schedule two. Uh, but I think descheduling is really what we should be pushing for uh, because it's a natural plan. It's, it, you know, the when I look at what the different schedules mean and you apply it to this plan, it doesn't really make sense that it should be scheduled. And, you know, it makes an impact on social equity because one of the things is the taxes again, you know, if it's schedule one, uh, it's under uh, 280E. So you can't write off uh, business expenses uh, for a business that's around a schedule one drug. I think uh, descheduling would eliminate that. Um, rescheduling the schedule three might, uh, eliminate that 280E, uh, tax issue, but then it also could change, uh, a lot of other things around how the plan is distributed and manufactured and all these other things. So it's, it's really complicated. And at the end of the day, uh, social equity businesses need to be able to operate in a business environment where we can thrive and make money. The, the whole point is to you know use this business to help close the the wealth gap uh in in my opinion and and if all the money that we're working for in this industry then has to be handed over to the government for taxes uh and then those taxes go back mainly to law enforcement and, and other things that have historically oppressed us 
I don't see the equity in that. Um, and, it, and, and they go back to law enforcement that continues to oppress. Because yes. even in states where it's recreational or even legal medical use, there's oppression. That's right. That's right. And we still see that in the data. Yeah, we see it. We still see in the data that people are still being arrested, you know, at similar rates as they were before it was made legal in certain states. Well, I mean, you know, just just from your perspective, I mean, what, what's been some of your greatest challenges in the industry? Wow. You know, uh, having to sue the city for a fair process was an extraordinary challenge. You know, not having any money and having to go up against one of the largest municipalities in the world uh, just for a fair shake in a process that was designed to be like, you know, uh, bringing fairness to a society that's been unfair to a segment of people. Well, that's what they claimed it was designed. <laughs> that's what they claimed. Let's, let's get the difference between what's claimed and what's true. But yeah, you're so, right. So that was the first challenge, just getting in position to, to receive a license. You know, I grew up in Los Angeles, the city of LA, it was giving out these licenses for cannabis dispensaries. I've been smoking weed, sharing weed with my friends and families family for decades. And now, you know, it, it was really important to me that I be able to uh, have that business in my community, not an outsider come in my community and be able to own this this type of business while I have to work there or, or not even be able to work there, you know? Uh, and so getting a position to get the license was the first great challenge. Then once getting the license, getting it capitalized, you know, I've had to raise over $1.2 million uh, to get to the point of opening my doors. And and then after raising the money, it was dealing with the city again uh, with building and safety uh, on the build out of my dispensary. And that took me close to two and a half years going back and forth, just remodeling my building and getting permits and inspections. Uh, to get it up to code or, or get them to agree that it was up to code, you know? Uh, so that long period of going back and forth, I had to pay rent that whole time on, on a building. Uh, and so those expenses and just managing that and keeping my project on budget, then having to raise more capital to finish it because of the uh, amount of time it was taking. Uh, it's extremely hard to raise capital as a black entrepreneur. Uh, extremely hard because everybody with money, whether they're black or not, they know the extra levels of challenges that you're going to face as, as a business person. And, and it's hard for them to bring themselves to break bread, you know? And, and so, well, now how about the organization that you formed? Is there any chance that that organization may end up becoming a funding source or will you raise money to try to do that? Well, well, when our members, become operational and our businesses begin making uh, revenue, then we can reinvest in our organization and association, you know, uh, but that's the challenge is we got to get to the point where we're operating uh, so that we can invest in ourselves because we don't really have a huge pool of our own capital, you know, and, um, you know, the capital is not pouring in from, from outside. Right. Well, tell me a little bit about what kind of uh, uh, products do you offer at Cadre? Yeah, so we offer cannabis products as well as apparel. 
Uh, so this is one of our Lucadre hoodies, but we have a whole line of really nice apparel designed by our creative director, Randy Morales. Shout out to Randy, uh, Creative Vice. Uh, and then our, our, our cannabis products, we offer uh, five gram bags instead of three and a half uh, ace, uh, which is traditional in the market. Uh, we're offering a really great value. Uh, we have top shelf indoor flower uh, and our five grams are priced around the same as a lot of other brands, eights, you know, three and a half grams. So we're giving an extra gram and a half for the same price. And, you know, people are saying our flower is really, it's really it, you know, there's fire, right? Once they, once they try it, uh, they're coming back for more. And so. Well, why don't you real quick, while you're saying that, why don't you throw up some digits and stuff? If people come to LA, can they come out? Since it's, it's wrecked, they can come out and purchase something. So where would they go and how do they get more information about what you're doing? Yeah, so, so we're available in seven stores around Los Angeles right now. Just our, our limited release. We've been out for two months now. We launched two months ago and we've sold out three times in all those locations in the last uh, two months. You know, So that's the kind of traction we have. That's the kind of feedback we're getting from uh, consumers. Uh, the, to find those locations, to find those locations, is there a website that people can go to? Yeah, they can go to our website, thecadre.com, and that has all our different locations where we're available on there, as well as Weed Maps. You can just go on Weed Maps and type in the cadre, and you'll find all the prices and locations where we're available. Our five grams typically go for between forty dollars and forty-five dollars, uh, depending on which retailer you go to. Uh, and at my store, uh, we, we have a, a buy one, get one deal going on them right now. So that's 10 grams, uh, for 45 bucks. That's pretty good. And so you, you deal mostly in flour. Do you do edibles? Do you do vapes? Do you do concentrates? Do you do tinctures? Yeah. So our offering right now is the five grams of flour. We also have a one gram, uh, single pre-roll. Uh, which we have in an infused version and a non-infused version. Uh, we also have our uh, greenhouse line, which which we have uh, you know, like a lower price. It's actually $22 for, for five grams in our greenhouse line of flour versus our indoor line. Uh, and then we do have a, a vape pen in partnership with the company called Dom Pen. Uh, they've been around since... The beginning of the recreational market and, and before then. And so we collabed with them on a really nice uh, disposable half gram vape pen, which we got a couple flavors of. And that's out in several different locations? That's right. That's right. It's in, it's in all seven locations that we're in around LA. And the locations we're in around LA are all social equity uh, retailers as well, right? So right. Uh, we started... Uh, all Black-owned social equity retailers uh, was where we initially launched. Uh, Gorilla RX on Crenshaw, uh, Space Flight on on Jefferson and, and La Cienega, uh, 64 and Hope on on uh, La Cienega uh, and Cadillac. Uh, and then my store, Off the Charts, powered by Cadre in South LA uh, and, and a few others. Uh, another Off the Charts, which is in Sherman Oaks, which is also... Uh, uh, black owned uh, by another social equity entrepreneur there. So these are the stores that we launched in. Now, next week, we're getting ready to launch in all the off the charts locations around the state. So we'll be in Sacramento. 
We'll be in uh, San Francisco. We'll be in San Diego. We'll be all over the state. And uh, we have some more big announcements coming about some other uh, dispensary chains and delivery platforms that will be available on well, throughout soon. Again, throughout the digits of where people can go to get that kind of information. If they, you know, they're listening in right now. So if they yeah, want to yeah. our, our website, our website, thecadre.com, you can get a lot of information uh, as well as our Instagram uh, at join the cadre. Okay. And what's next? What, what do you have next? What do you got coming down the pipe? Yeah, well, next we're we're working on really just meeting our customers and 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 bringing in new people into the the cadre really. So we're going to be going around to all the different locations that our products available in, throwing events, uh, popping up, doing uh, customer appreciation days. Uh, we also have some events coming at our dispensary. Uh, yeah, just follow our Instagram at join the cadre to keep up with everything we're doing. Uh, but we pop up at a lot of other people's events as well. Uh, we just popped up at the second anniversary of 64 and Hope on La Cienega. Uh, we were part of uh, Black on the Block uh, a, a month ago. We were part of uh, the Lemurk Park Juneteenth Festival a few months back. Uh, so we do a lot of cultural things as, as well. And we're really tying cannabis and culture uh and community together in a really authentic way. That's great, my friend. Well, I wish you well. Um, I, I know Cadre is kicking. So when I get out to LA, I'm going to try to come by and catch some. Come try some. And thank you, Montel. You're, you're really a pioneer. You're really a legend. You know, I grew up watching you on, on television and, and to be here with you uh, today. And I, and I know how much of a advocate you've been for legalization of cannabis. I, for for many many years now and so thank you for all oh, else, man. Yeah, so thank you yeah sir i really appreciate that my brother at some point in time we're going to talk about it i have a brand my brand is now in mass and i'm getting ready to go into georgia believe it or not um, um and so yeah, um, yeah and, and georgia's georgia's a very interesting state because georgia you can't smoke or vape so it's got to be all kinds of other delivery systems and uh, and Georgia's the first state in the country where we'll be able to sell cannabis products in independent pharmacies along with dispensaries. So there are dispensaries and also independent pharmacies that can carry our products. And that hopefully will be on shelves there really soon. So um, I'd love to be able to come out there and figure out a way to get, get into the LA market. Yes, we'd love to have you. We'd love to get your products in my store uh, soon. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it for sure, brother. You be well, you stay well, keep doing what you're doing. Um, real proud of you and making sure that, you know, everybody gets a fair shake and that's what it's all about. And when you're ready to do some national lobbying, reach out, man, because I mean, that's where I think I can probably help you open up some of those doors that haven't been open so far. Yeah, yeah, we're ready. You know, we try to build a track record here in California so we can show the best practices that should be adopted across the country. So I'll be reaching out soon. I appreciate there you that. go, my friend, for sure. You stay well, take care, and thank you so much for being a part of Let's Be Blunt. And thank you for tuning in today to Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. Thanks for listening to today's show. 
To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.